You're listening to Honest Participants Only, a Dream Days Experience podcast. This was a tough episode to record for a number of reasons. I was speaking to an old friend. I was speaking about her loss and her family's loss. In the year 2000, they lost four people they loved dearly, members of their family, members of their circle. I also experienced some of that loss. I knew two members of the party who died. And so editing this was really difficult. It took me six months to get this content to you, but it's such an important subject matter. And Simone's perspective on loss is so powerful that I really, really wanted you to hear it. So here is Simone Pyle and me, myself, um, we're having a conversation about loss. Today I have with me a guest who I have known for 74,000 years, but I just want to welcome you, Simone, to the Honest Participants Only podcast. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, she's very nervous, she said before we started, she said she's very nervous, but we want to make you feel really comfortable. Um, I know that today we're going to be talking about sensitive topics, so I want to start by saying, would you please... Tell me about you. Okay, so my name is Simone. Um, I grew up in Reading, in Berkshire. So I am not from London or the city. city. I'm one of six, six children. One of six children, so quite a large family. The third sibling, so like a middle child. So now we are a family of, in terms of siblings, there's four of us. I do a lot of youth work. I, I work with a lot of young people and I do a lot of community work. I do a bit of classroom facilitating type work. Like currently I'm teaching tech in primary schools. So that's quite a new thing for me. And yeah, but I do love working with young people and I want to further like further my studies and continue to work and inspire. Excellent. And you have a young person of your, your own as well, don't you? Yes, I, I am a mother also. That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, just wow. That's an experience. <laughs> hey, so, yeah, no, thank you so much for telling me about who you are as a person, because obviously I know who you are, our listeners don't. So that's a nice introduction to you. Um, we're going to get onto something a little bit more deep now, uh, something that you experience and you go through every day, and maybe some of our listeners also experience in their own lives, but I'm going to ask you to tell me your story of loss. Okay. So, as I said prior, we were a family of six. And in terms of siblings, so I lost two brothers. It was the year, the year 2000. It happened on the date, the 18th of November 2000. We were... We were invited to a family a family christening so i have a lot of family in holland so we had been invited to holland and it was kind of not a last minute thing but it's like oh are we going are we not going but then we were like yeah we're gonna go i only decided to go at the last minute and i thought oh i'm gonna travel with my brothers in the car but my my brother was like oh no you go travel with the minibus 
and we're going to travel in the car. So they, they made the journey ahead. They left and made the journey ahead and um, we went up. We're going to follow behind them. Well, there was a car accident and we didn't, they didn't make it to the destination. And it was my cousin and my brother's best friend. So there was four people in the car. I will say like my brother's friend, my brother's best friend, Peter, I had known him since I was about 12 or 13. So, you know, he was like my brother as well. Like I, I considered him like my brother. And then my cousin, my beautiful cousin, she was 19. My older brother, Mark, he was 27 at the time. And my brother, Noel, was 20 at the time. And um, all, all four people died in that car accident. So they died in Belgium on the, on the E17 on the way to Holland. So it was quite... Yeah, it's quite a tragic circumstance that they died. Yeah. I um, I mean, this isn't my story, but because I've been friends with you guys for many years, mm-hmm. and in fact was very good friends with Noelle, yeah. I remember where I was and when I heard it. And that sounds crazy because yeah. we talk about 9-11 like that. Where were you when 9-11 happened? And I just remember the feeling of shock and devastation, which, if I'm honest, on a, 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 such a small level compared to your own, I still carry to this day, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that story. Well, hear yeah. it again for me and for the first time. Are you able to tell me how you guys found out or were you behind, was the minibus behind them? So this is something that I feel that I struggle with quite a lot because we actually drove past the accident site. We drove past and I must have been like dozing and something just, I swear to God that someone said to me, Simone, wake up. I, I felt I heard the voice, Simone, wake up. And I jumped out of my sleep and I looked out the window and I saw all these emergency vehicles and I saw like a, a wreckage of a car and something in my spirit just said, that is, you know, you need to be concerned about this. And I heard my brother say something like, that's them. But, you know, everyone else in the minibus, I, I suppose nobody wanted to believe that was them. So they said, um, no, no, why would you say that? That's not them. But um, I... I I was like, you know, I wasn't settled. We got to Holland. I was like a mad woman. I was like going through, I, I must have dropped my phone somewhere. So I'm looking for my phone, looking for, uh, looking for, yeah, just looking for my phone. And when we got to Holland and my brothers weren't there, I knew something was up. I couldn't settle. I knew something was up, but people were trying to say, you know, keep me calm and say, Simone calmed down but I knew something was up I was unsettled because I'm like where are my brothers they should have been here by now you know people were saying oh they might have gone this place or they might have gone that place but I was like no my if they had Mark would have called me nobody actually came and said to me Simone your brothers have died or nobody actually said to me what happened someone had actually called my brother James and offered condolences whoa 
someone called James, someone from England. Um, and he said to James, oh, brother, brother, man, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about, I don't know what to say. Like, and James is like, what are you talking about? And, and, and he goes, I, you know, like it, it came apparent that James didn't know. Yeah. We were walking and then someone said to me, Simone, there's been an accident. And I said, um, I just remember dropping to my knees. I remember dropping to my knees saying, well, if there's been an accident, we can pray. Let's pray. So I dropped to my knees in the middle of this, um, in Holland. And it was where it was around uh, November time, they have various festivals. So it was a bit annoying because there was people dressed up with, they had black paint on their faces. Mm -hmm. So that was quite uh, I don't know. You remember these strange things. I remember saying to everyone, look, we need to pray. And they were, I remember them lift, trying to lift me off my knee. Come on, Simone, let's get to the van. So I was like, what is that with the, if there's been an accident? I said, are we going to the hospital then? And I'm looking around and people are like crying. My family is crying. And they're getting me to the van. And um, I just heard in... Behind me, I heard my brother on the phone say, James, I heard James say to someone on the phone, they're gone. They're, mm. they're dead. They're gone. It's still just so heart-wrenching to hear. And I've yeah. never heard this detail. I lost my mind. I was, I was like, I, I don't even remember exactly what I did. <laughs> but I just, I think I was screaming. I think I just was fighting everyone that is grabbing me. I think I was furious with it, with everyone around me um, because I felt like I knew that something wasn't right and no one believed me or no one trusted me to know that something wasn't right. What was the space of time between passing the... So, so we had left England on, uh, on the Friday evening they, I think they said that they passed away, they died, the accident took place around two o'clock or three, two or three o'clock in, in the morning. The time that we were finding this out was about, would have been around four o'clock, four or five o'clock. In the afternoon. At, in the afternoon, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it had been quite a number of hours. So my brother James then had to call my mum because I don't know how he had to tell my mum. And your mum was back in the UK? Yeah, he had to phone and tell my mum. At the time, my mum was in church, so he called my brother Matthew on his mobile phone. They, they had stayed at the church for lunch. I think he told Matthew, but I think Matthew was in such disbelief he was like kind of wailing. He couldn't even put into words what had been get the information that was given to him. And then even when he tried to explain it to my mom, she was, my sister reminded me, like she, she was like, you're lying, Matthew. You're not telling the truth. Why would you do this to me? Why are you telling me this? Um, it, it was like, it was like, it could not be true. But it was unfortunate 
you know, it breaks my heart because my mom was at the church at the time. She was in the youth hall. And, you know, even up to this day, my mother has never returned back to that hall. Wow. She's never been able to go back. And, and that was the place where she, she was like, you know, she was like community service leader. She used to always be cooking and serving and hospitality. You know, she was always serving people. That was her era. That was her thing, to serve people and to support people. And and after that moment, she has never been able to set foot in that hall. Was Naomi with them as well? Yes, yeah, so and Naomi was there as well. It's funny because my sister, my sister had a school friend whose parents had bought tickets for... Um, a Beyonce concert that evening. The mm. name you to go to a Beyonce concert that like, for a friend's a school friend's birthday. So yeah, that did not happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, and so up in, when I think about my mum said that she was just there, and I think it was sad because one of the things that broke my mum's heart is that they had a visiting group of people doing an AWS program. And the message went up to the top to say, oh, look, this happened. But the program kind of still went ahead. Wow, okay. And, you know, my mom said that nobody, like, came. There was no praying, prayers with her. And I, 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 in my head, I just know that all these things, you know, they contribute heavily to more to the it, the whole thing was traumatic but all these things um contribute heavily to to the trauma of it all yeah with the with teachers mom their police went to the house and said you know explain to her that this accident took place but i don't know what happened with the communication to us i don't know what happened <laughs> Wow. So I feel that as a result of how the, 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 the news was given to us, I feel that that has really played quite a big part in uh, any, any um, progress of healing. How? <laughs> so for my mum, so it's like, it was like, how come the police never came? How come she never had a, an official call? How come, what happened there? Yeah, my mom goes over it over and over again. It's it's something that, yeah, we don't know. And then the, when, but we're also people that would ask questions. As I, you know, like I am quite a, I will check things and ask stuff. But it's like, I felt like I was silenced a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, people, it's obviously it's a painful thing. And people would probably just rather just not talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, you know it happened. You can't bring them back. Just you know, but then it's difficult because we know, like when we watch the news, there are so many cases that you see unfold, and you see that people will every every stone is, and you know, like people, there's inquest. People investigate things. So for us as a family, I feel I, I you know I do feel I do feel a bit guilty. I feel guilty for 
like I felt like I sometimes feel like I haven't done enough. We haven't done enough. We didn't do enough. Did we let them down? Have we not investigated? Did you know find out more? And and yeah. that relates to um that's quite a normal feeling, isn't it? In as much as yeah. people it's it doesn't it's not justified in as much as actually it's not necessarily true. But mm. that's the that's what happens with loss, isn't it? We kind yeah. of our own fault we kind of figure out yeah yeah the life afterwards you feel like wow god how do you get through this day like um you sometimes think why didn't i get in the car yeah <laughs> you know like why did i get, I, I you know why wasn't i allowed in that car you know because i wasn't i wasn't the strong one <laughs> but clearly you are clearly you have been the strong one, because like I say, it seems to me that you and James, because um, the others were younger, but it seems to me that you and James have done a really amazing job of being a support system. Uh, well, we try, we try. I listen to my my I listen to my young my brother and my sister because my sister was fifteen when it happened, mm. and my other brother was just he was just coming up to his like early 20s at like 19 or so but he was just coming into himself as well yeah and um just that question like for example my brother the other day he just he spent time and he wrote this 10 minute prose of a poem like a rap just talking about the whole experience not of death but just talking about my brother's life yeah and um hearing it marks life through my younger brother it's like i just I, it's oh, it was mind. It was it was really emotional. But it was mind blowing because you think about the way we process loss and how it, you know, what we take from it. Yeah. Yeah, what we take from it and how we cope. Yeah. Can vary in so many different ways. When I was thinking about having this conversation with you, I've been going over my mind. It's you know our brains are such amazing. Um, uh, you know, like we have our brains in our head, and yeah. they they're they're capable of doing such things that we wouldn't even imagine they can do. But what we do a lot of times is, in order to cope, you suppress so much stuff. Yes. <laughs> you put put things away. Mm-hmm. You put 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 thoughts and memories away so that you can cope. I don't know the reasons why the information was given communicated the way it was mm. I don't know whether you know it's all these unanswered questions and and I suppose with all the unanswered questions yeah you hold a lot of guilt or to think did we do enough to find out this information mm. but um yeah I think all these things increase yeah, the heat, you know, like the, how hard it is to heal from something. How did the rest of the family react? The family that we were actually going to the christening for, maybe they weren't able to deal with it properly because I think I saw them at the funeral and mm-hmm. I've never... I can't tell you that I've ever had another, I've never seen them again since. I suppose it was, 
difficult. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. That makes complete sense because it's it's what I touched on before. The fact that even though I'm a million times removed, it was yeah. even difficult for me. It was even. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember being at a, a at a, a concert at the Advent Centre that evening, and the per, a group I was with a group of people and one of the group of people who I didn't know very well funnily enough she got the message and she was crying and I was comforting her but she didn't say names she just said my friends and so I was comforting her and it's only maybe an hour later that I heard who it was and I I struggled with it because I felt it's so stupid and it's so random but I felt I'd been robbed of the hour of grief because I didn't ask names. Do you, it's, it's what you were talking about before. Like you feel a random guilt for not checking more or finding out. It's, it's yeah. silly. It's, it's nothing we could do differently, really, or that would make a difference to the outcome. But it's all part of. Yeah, yeah. Because you think about everything, and you it's it's hard. You know, people might think, "Oh, it's nothing," but every minute or every it it all matters. You know, it. All seems to matter. Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose that is something that not everybody will understand. Yeah. Yeah. At what point did you then come home? How long How long before you came home? I really wanted my mum to come to Belgium. We stayed in, we stayed in Belgium. We stayed in Holland. We made our way to Belgium. We went to the morgue to identify them and see them. And I wanted my mum to come to Belgium. Right. But they thought it was going to be too difficult. So my mum had to wait until we got, they got back to England. So I think we got back to England on, the, I think, the Tuesday. Right. And it was, I don't know the exact amount of days, but it was a good number of days before my mum got to see her son. It was so difficult because at the time when we didn't, there was there was a period of time where we didn't know exactly where they were. Right. We didn't know where they were. We were told that they were at the hospital. So my mom was like literally going to the hospital, pacing the hospital, and it could have they could have been in the hospital somewhere. No one had experience in this before. Experience. Yeah. So they probably had no idea of how to deliver the information. Yeah. So they didn't know how to tell my mom, oh, like, this is what's happened. This is the process. But I suppose it, they didn't consider the effects of them not giving her that information. Yeah. Yeah. Was there an issue with the bar- um, language barrier as well, or was it, was it easier? Was it easy enough? My my cousins are Dutch, so they could speak Dutch. But because oh. they died in Belgium, there was a difficulty because the, right. the part of Belgium where they were, they spoke Flemish. Right. That was a bit different to the Dutch. Okay. So, yeah, that was a bit of a struggle. Someone from the British Embassy did come to meet us whilst we were still in Belgium. Okay. But... but then I don't know why I I don't know why no one ever went and spoke to my parents. And if if it's almost as if if 
nobody has spoken to any of the parents. It, you could more understand that it's, an, it's a complete oversight. It was, yeah. you know, but they knew that there were four people in the car, but only, yeah. do you know what I mean? Very odd. It's one of those things that, like you say, you may never have an answer to, and it just adds to the trauma. Yeah, you know, my dad didn't talk. My dad never shared. And it, I, you know, like, they, they, that's the only thing they can explain to us. He's, like, a lot of his health, you know. It, it, it can, grief and pain and trauma can, can you know, play complete havoc on your health. We went to Belgium a year later to follow back the journey. Like we went to all the places, we went to the police station, we looked over the police report of the accident, we went to the morgue, we went to the hospital, all the places that they went to, and then we went to the site. Mm -hmm. So this was a year later. The site hadn't been properly cleared, so there was like the juice cartons that my mum had packed, Mm. my brothers were still there there was like some of the biscuit packets obviously some have been eaten but the packets were still the British see the British snack packets but what was a absolute sometimes when I think about it I can't even believe it was there was we saw something and I think I picked it up and I dropped it and then my my brother came and my mum came and they picked it up and we quickly wrapped it up. But what had happened in the accident, now my brother was very injured. And what we found was his um, jaw. How? I mean, what do you do in that moment? What do you do? Luckily, you're thinking it's a year later. Didn't they check? him when they took him away mm. how this 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 person's jaw is missing shouldn't we look for it wow I'm so sorry that happened to you guys like you were re-traumatized I guess in that moment yeah and then we we went we found out we took it to the funeral they, we had it they confirmed to us yes we were right mm-hmm. they allowed us to have a separate burial for it. They gave us like an urn and we, you know, we buried it. They gave you, I guess they were able to offer that tiny bit of closure, but like you kept saying, it's it's all the little things and the way they occurred just add to the pain of coping, you know? Yeah. You know, I try not to think about it too much, but it happened. I pray for my mum all the time. <laughs> I pray for my my parents. Thank you so much for add for adding that bit, filling in those gaps. Not that they were gaps before you told me, but mm. actually you adding those makes even more sense and gives an even more complete picture of the loss. It's it's there's a quote, I can't remember, I saw it recently. But it says something along the lines of the people who have been through the most are often the ones that are are most empathetic. And I feel like that describes you um, to a T. In the past, people have said, oh, Simone, you don't need to, 
you don't need to remind everybody every year and you don't have to. <laughs> I, 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 I try and explain to them that's how I try and deal with it. But it's unfortunately, sometimes you get into the mindset of, are you offending people with the way you feel? Am I offending somebody um, with ha my, how I feel? But then if I don't always share or if I don't always speak about it, then you just like, you let it fester within yourself. There have, there has been times when, I, like as we were saying earlier, like, you know, you remember the time where you were when you heard the news and you're not the first person that's ever told me that. Mm -hmm. there's, there's people that I know that have experienced almost like breakdowns. A particular friend, a particular guy I know, and he specifically said that, he said, you know, when Mark went, that's when my life went completely downhill. As a result, he said he just started to smoke, he started doing drugs, he started drinking. And he said where he might have had, you know, that someone kind of like, you know, you know what, you shouldn't be doing that. He just kind of like just went full, full speed ahead. But what had happened is some of the drugs he had taken you know, they, 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 they really messed with his mind. So, you know, when I hear stories like that, it's, it's upsetting. But then I think to myself, well, you know, sometimes if I share, at least people know that, you know, we're not all alone going through this thing. And then even when people share with me, I also feel that I'm not alone. In what ways did your life change forever? Well, before it all happened, I must have been you know, my early 20s, like for an insurance company. But it wasn't something that I wanted to do. I wanted to, I think I wanted, I wanted to go into social work. And at the time, a family member had said to me, oh, would I like to come to America? So I had two options that I was thinking about at the time. One was going to London to live, and one was going to America. My brothers weren't completely sure about me coming to London to live. You know, they were like a bit unsure about it. But Mark was like, well, why don't you go to America? I will help you get to America. I was saving my money and he was saying he was going to help me. I think, obviously, after the accident, that was something like I was thinking, that didn't happen. <laughs> and I completely lost a lot of direction of what I was going to do with myself. Yeah. I couldn't go back. I didn't go back to work. Like they said to me, oh, just come back when you're ready. I didn't go back. I didn't go back to that environment again. I just stayed, I stayed out of work for a little bit, for a while. And then I thought to myself, okay, let me go to plan my plan B or move to London. Even though my brothers were no longer in London, I decided to go, I decided to go anyway. Mm. And, um, and, and one of the reasons for that is I was really struggling in my hometown. I was having extreme panic attacks. I, I, I was struggling in the, my church that I grew up in. I was struggling. Uh, yeah, I was really struggling. And all these struggles came after the, after the accident? The accident, yeah. Mm. I couldn't even walk through my town centre. And, and at that time, I wasn't even aware of anxiety. I wasn't even really that fully knowledgeable about anxiety or panic. I didn't really know. I didn't even know what was happening to me. I would just know that I couldn't really breathe. 
I was start to shake. Sometimes I felt like I was gonna like wet myself. Yeah. Um, but I I had no idea of what this thing that I was feeling was. But I just thought I didn't want it. I thought to myself I wanted to be closer to my niece, my brother's daughter, and I just thought, let me go to London. Yeah. So I, I mean, I wanted to ask you about your support network because. This situation is unique in the in the sense that you lost multiple family members, and as you say, um, Mark's best friend was like family. So when I say that, I'm including him in there as well. So you yeah. lost multiple family members, which means that the support network you would normally lean on, yeah. being your family members, yeah. also need a support network. So how did that work? I- don't think it really I don't think it worked I think I think at that time in the church I think I don't think there had been a multiple death like that or or not something that was so devastating perhaps yeah and 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 for people that knew them I, I, I don't think up until when they died I I think yeah I don't think there had been a multiple death tragically that had ever taken place it was quite it was a shock to a lot of people yeah and at the time there was an, a lot of coping mechanisms in place and us as like I don't think I don't think people knew what to do with us really yeah. <laughs> when it came to planning the funeral we did that but then I don't think the I suppose the expected support network people didn't know what to do I have I have got one really good friend and and he's always like maintained to me and he's always said Simone I have no idea of what you are going through I have completely you know have no idea what you're going through because I've never ever had to go through what you've gone through but God has just showed me that I've got to be there for you (laughs) so powerful I mean in that vein do you think, in your opinion, that it's important that people understand what you've been through? They don't have to understand fully what I've, because even, for me, even like myself, it's like it, it was a, an experience that I, if someone else had gone through it, I would have fully understood. Yeah. This, this, I suppose it's just that you just show that compassion just like that person's gone through something really painful. You know, if they just need me to listen, let me listen to them. But I think the difficulty is, like, some people, they might not know what to say or do, so what they might they might do is just kind of, like, stay away. Yeah. Avoid the person. And then that's when your grief, it becomes very, you know, very isolated in your grief. Felt like we were cursed. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people will feel that they have experienced loss, but not as many will probably speak about understanding its impact on our mental health mm. and the long-term effects of that. Yeah. Do you have, what would you, what do you think you've learned about the mental health aspect of loss and... Well, I, 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 I truly believe that loss and grief and all these, they, they, they profoundly affect your mental health. You know, you're you're always on the edge. Like that's how I feel a lot of the times. Sometimes people say, Simone, how are you doing? You look well, you you know. 
And I say, you know, I'm just hanging on, you know, hanging on. My mum is always like, I suppose she's always put this ethos of, you know, you get up, you show up. <laughs> you get up, get dressed and show up. Yeah. People can be afraid of someone that's experienced pain or loss and they can keep them at a distance. But then what about that person? Yeah. You yeah. might think that you're in control of it. But sooner or later, it is going to... Whether it comes out whilst you're young, that you've put away, will, will come. How now, how have you guys learned to celebrate successes or do you even do that? We celebrate, like I suppose we celebrate each other. We do remember, yeah, we do, we always reflect back and we do look back and we, we do remember Oh, my, my, like my brothers and my cousins, we we remember the family members with as much love and and thought. There's always that that there is always like a cloud. Yeah. You never completely. You never get. You never overcome it fully. You just learn. Yeah. You just gain methods to um survive. For your cousin, your brothers, and their best friend. Yeah. What would you say their legacies are? For as people, I'll I, I call them by name. So Mark, yeah, he he would he was always helping people. If you had a problem, he would support you, and and he was always trying to promote people. I take a lot from that. And he was a wonderful son. He was a massive support to my mom and dad. He's absolutely, you know, my mom. Yeah. Now, now I was just like. You couldn't be sad around now, Al. <laughs> <laughs> he would like if you could not be sad around him. He had to like, and and the worst, the saddest thing about it is that Noah had so many hung up, hang ups himself. Yeah. But whether, however, he felt about himself, or however, whatever insecurities that he had, he would just like. It didn't matter. He was ageless. He didn't. It didn't matter whether you were young or old. Now I was like troubling you. You you had to be. You had to sort out your face and like <laughs> talk to him and tell him what the problem was. <laughs> you know, and and he always thought he he always felt he believed that he knew everything. <laughs> You know, you could all, you know, you've got a problem, I'll solve it. <laughs> you know, I remember when we would go camporee, we'd sit down with all the senior people and just like, <laughs> you know, commune with them and just like tell them, you know, tell them what's going on. You know, um, Peter French, he was, yeah, he was a beautiful soul. He was like my big brother he was my my brother that I could tell stuff that I wouldn't tell my other brothers <laughs> <laughs> and and he was always like Simone you're gonna get me into trouble because he's like he used to think that I'd be like um so if he ever caught me somewhere or somewhere I shouldn't have been and he's like Simone what are you doing here and then I'm like oh, tell. and he's like ah oh, you're gonna get me into <laughs> But I knew that he would speak to my brothers, but he would tell them, look, don't, do not tell her <laughs> that I've told you. He had my back and um, 
you know, his friends and the people that he grew with were always, you know, he was just a loving, absolutely loving person. My cousin Constance Downs, oh, she was just a beautiful person. She was like, if if you say someone that could see what you're like, that you're feeling down or you're going through something, she was one of those people. Just before the accident happened, I, I hadn't been, I'd gone through something just before my brother's died and I wasn't feeling the best myself. And I remember I saying, come on, you've got to do this. You've got to come out with me. You've got to come. And I'm like, I don't go out. I don't do this. I don't. <laughs> and I remember eventually I thought, you know what? This girl is not going to give up. <laughs> and I went with her and that must have been in the October. And I'm so glad I, I took that time out and spent the evening with her because you know that was yeah that was there yeah, that was the last time we hung out together thank you so much we're going to move to um a slightly different section i don't tend to unless you've listened to the podcast already then you might yeah. know what's coming but i don't tend to give people the heads up as such because it's most um impactful when it comes from straight from the heart. So it's called Letter to Yourself. Okay. Um, and what the instructions are very simple. You're writing a letter either either to your future or your past self. And I just want to know, I would like you to share with me what it says. You can start your letter. The only rule is you start your letter, dear Simone, and sign it, you know, however, however you would to yourself. Okay. So dear Simone, you're born in this big, wide world. Along the way, there are many things that might take place. And some of the things that are going to happen, you might not know if you're going to be able to cope with them. But you will, and you can. You know, please remember, God will not put more on you than you can bear. And whatever happens, he will not forsake you, and he will not leave you. Whatever happens, remember this. Be kind, be loving, care for those around you. Do not let anyone break your spirit. Do not let the pain or, or anger of others change the person that you are, whatever happens. Continue to live this life the best way you can, but always remember God has got, got you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Love God, love yourself also, and love others. Never, never be afraid to cry. And never be afraid to be true to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I hope by sharing, I may, you know, it helps somebody. You know, I hope it helps somebody. From myself, and I'm speaking on behalf of the listeners too, even though they haven't asked me to yet, <laughs> just send them loads of love and hug your, hugs your way. <laughs> and please send them to the family as well, because I'm sure they'll, they'll hear this and we want them to know that everything you've spoken about we understand that it's more or less the lived experience of all of you so lots of love love lots of hugs and thank you so much this has been a dream days experience production